Hello and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast presented by Simply Healthcare. I am David Wilson and I am joined as always on the other line by Susan Miller-Dignan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? I always say it's great, but it's great again. Yeah. How are you? Pretty good. Um, we are recording. It is Wednesday afternoon. This probably won't go up for until Friday morning, so... Uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about, particularly in the back half of the episode, there's a chance it could be outdated. we got to talk about um, the coronavirus, and it is probably the most dire college football season has felt since the start of the season. Um, as we talk now, five games involving top 25 teams have been either postponed or canceled for this weekend. We will talk about that all in the second half of the episode. Uh, we got to start, though, with that Miami performance from Friday. I know it, it's old by now, but... Um, I don't know, to me, since I've been around covering the team, it's right up there. I mean, I, I think you'd probably say that in like recent memory, probably the Notre Dame win is the most thrilling win they have had, basically like starting with the Mark Richt era and really dating back, I guess, to, uh, I don't know, pre like Randy Shannon. But um, this this one feels like it, it's a con- was a contender for number two. That was a uh, pretty incredible win. And I'm I'm still kind of thinking about it. Yeah, me too. It was it was a lot of fun, even if I had to watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Um, it had. You know, I mean, you know, De'Ara King's performance was amazing, and Mike Harley's performance was amazing, and there were so many clutch plays and catches, and there was a little bit of something for everybody. You know, there was, uh, you know, the exciting interception by DJ Ivy and there was that great sack at the end by Tacori Couch and Manny and a couple of uh, really interesting decisions by Manny Diaz you know yeah. um, on fourth downs and um, just it, I mean it had everything and uh, and especially you know the, the fourth quarter go-ahead victory um, and then the defense holding them um, and creating a, a you know a turnover. It was it really was a fun game. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's the most complete performance they've had in uh, however many years because the, you know we're going to talk about the defense probably a little bit, but I I think offensively it's one of the most complete performances they've put together um, in a really long time. Um, you know they ran the ball pretty well. All all three running backs looked pretty good. The wide receivers we're going to talk about them. Um, you know, they made tough catches. All three starters caught a touchdown. And, um, yep. you know, they, they made impressive catches. It wasn't just catching wide open balls. Um, Will Mallory was great uh, filling yep. in for the still out Brevin Jordan. But it's all about Derek King, who had uh, Barry Jackson wrote about this. I think it was on Monday for us. Um, basically making the case that it's the best game ever by a Miami quarterback. And, you know, like... It was an NC State game in the middle of the season. Like, you know, you could probably find, like, a more meaningful performance that wasn't as statistically impressive that, that you might point to. Uh, you'd probably know better than me if, like, Ken Dorsey had a great game um, at some point or, you know, someone like that, Vinny Testaverde. Like, someone in a, a bigger spot had a, a, a great game. But just in, in sheer statistical production um, – Five touchdown passes that is tied for second most in Miami history. Uh, Jared Williams set the record with six last year. Um, yep. 
what four? I don't remember what his final passing yard total was. With four hundred plus, right? And four thirty yards. Four thirty, and then right over a hundred rushing yards. Um, there has yeah. never been a Miami quarterback performance like that before. Yeah, never. I, you know what surprised me? I, I guess if I was sat and thought about it for a while, I it, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I just never thought when they when UM came out with all the firsts and stuff. You know, uh, 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 Derek being the only quarterback for UM in history to rush for over 100 yards. You know, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and the second, only the second Miami quarterback to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns, and the third Miami quarterback with a 400-yard passing game on the road, and the third ACC quarterback to pass for 400 yards and rush for 100 yards. So it's very cool, and there are other things as well. Um, but... You could just see it in Derek. I mean, he was, you know, in the zone like uh, like I've rarely seen, right? Yeah. I mean, you looked at him and you just knew everything was perfectly thrown on the money, pretty much. Yeah, and that was it was the big talking point, right, was the, the deep ball. And, you know, they had the bye week, obviously, beforehand, and... You know, you wonder what how much can get done during a bye week. And we asked Derek, what are you going to work on during the bye week? And uh, I think he said his eyes and his feet, and that'll help his accuracy. And I don't know, maybe he really did get a lot better at that during the bye week. Because like you were saying, I mean, even in his best performances early this year, there were, you know, some missed throws. Like he, you know, the deep ball struggles, the wide receivers caught a lot of the blame for that. But Derek, particularly early in the year, um, yeah, I think against UAB, he was pretty inaccurate. I, I think he's steadily gotten better with that. Um, but this was, you know, pretty close to a flawless um, performance from him. There's not a whole lot you can nitpick with what he did. I mean, basically every time they had the ball, they scored. Um, yeah, and he, and when yeah. he took off, you know, <laughs> I mean, he was he was great running oh my the God. ball too. Yeah, just you know, I'm pretty amazing actually. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of scrambles that were, like, right up there with, you know, the best runs you'll see by a quarterback all year. I mean, you you touched on it that a Miami quarterback has never had um, 100 rushing yards. And, like, when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. They've just never had a guy like this, right? No, they never really have. Even, I mean, back when they left, won their last title in 2001, you know, Ken... Those guys were always pocket passers, whether it was Dorsey or Testaverde, Toretta. He had an offensive line that I don't I don't know if they gave up a sack. Seriously, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. unreal. Okay, and, and 2000 was pretty much the same way. So, I mean, he he could just stay in there all day long and throw. Um, so uh, yeah, and Der- and Derek, I mean, he got sacked twice last week compared to five times the week before right and uh you know so it's not like he can stay in there all day and plus he's not that kind of guy anyway um but yeah, yeah i mean they're, they're design- he had some big designed runs too like they had he picked up a fourth down on a designed run like that that's what i mean when i say miami's never had anyone like him there's never you know they've obviously had athletic quarterbacks like guys who can move but they've never had a guy that you're like part of our offense is him running the ball. Like, they, they just yep. have never recruited anyone like that. Yep. And, 
you know. I guess Malik would have been, would have actually, like, weirdly would have been the one guy that you're like, maybe he would have run for 100 yards sometime. Because he probably had, like, an 80-yard game at some point. Um, Malik was really good, strong runner, actually. Yeah, he was. He really was. He wasn't the he scrambler, did. though, like Derek. Yeah. He would he would kind of power forward and, and get a lot of yards. But, um, yeah, not, nothing like this. And I, you know, I David, I wrote a story the day after the game about, you know, can, you know, just wondering, uh, can somebody convince Derek King to come back next year? <laughs> and, um, uh, I'm not banking know. on it. I'm not banking on it. Cause he I looked was serious about it, but I'm not, I'm not either. Yeah. I'm not either. I, I don't know how much he could gain. We have to see how many more games they play and all that. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how many other guys are going to turn pro anyway, so yeah. who knows what the team's going to look like. But, boy, they could. it's kind of – I just keep thinking about this one one year, that's it. You know, if he, if he leaves, kind of yeah. a shame. To me, he – I mean, he's not like – I'm not saying he's like a starting NFL quarterback, a Pro Bowl NFL quarterback, but to me, he he's an NFL quarterback. Like, And he's not – you yeah. know, this is actually a really good quarterback draft. Like, obviously, Lawrence and – Fields are going to go one, two, you know, Trask right. has, has pushed himself into that first round oh, conversation, geez. like yep. kind of ironically, he was obviously Derek's backup in high school. Um, yep. Zach Wilson from BYU is getting hype as like a top 15, 20 pick. Um, there is, um, blanking on his name, the, the North Dakota state quarterback who is considered a, uh, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, who's considered a first-round pick. So, like, it's, you know, I, I don't think Derek's going to be a first-round pick or anything, but, like, I don't know. He's, I, to I me, have, to I'm me, I, I'd take him probably on the second day of the draft, and, and if that's the case, and, and even if he's, like, ultimately projected as a fourth, fifth-round pick, you know, he's old. He's going to, I don't, he's an NFL quarterback to me. He's, I mean, yeah, like, he's. And he's, he's tough as hell. When he runs, um, I'm knocking on my desk here, but um, it doesn't even, I, I don't get that that feeling like, uh, he's about to get hurt. Yeah. You know, I don't get that feeling. <laughs> but um, he's really, really, really tough. Um, but, you know, there's some people that think, and, and that, hey, at the past few drafts and stuff, I mean, maybe they're right. I, some people think he won't get drafted, or he'll get drafted in the, you know, in the last, in the sixth round or whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, 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 like, I agree with you. I think he is, I think he, I think he would be great as a mid-round guy. It just depends, like, I guess what teams have as far as quarterbacks go. Because if, if they have their guys, I don't, I don't know, you know, early or, the, or in the mid-rounds, they want to take a shot. I think they should. I think he's, I don't know. All right, how he much, could do a lot of things, right? He could do a lot of different things yeah, yeah, yeah. for a team. How much fun is it to have, like, two good quarterbacks in Miami right now? Like, the fact that we get to go from watching D'Eric on, on Saturday, typically, obviously, this is a Friday game, to watching Tua on Sunday. Like, oh, no. my God. Oh, my God. I know, it really is cool. You like Tua's little brother? Oh, I love Tua's little brother. He looks great, too. We're going to have to talk about him in the second half when we talk about COVID, unfortunately. But, um, 
<laughs> I'm watching, you know, I, 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 t- I try to watch Maryland when they don't conflict with Miami. I'm from Maryland. Um, I have family that went to the school. It's kind of was my team growing up. So, man, it's fun to watch uh, watch some of these quarterbacks play in a way that, like, I've not, as a football fan, football viewer, had a lot of good quarterbacks to watch in, in recent years. Um, speaking of Derek, the story of Derek right now can't be told without the story of the wide receivers who have been really Mike Carley, obviously leading the way, but mm-hmm. I think he's been ACC receiver of the week in each of the last two games. Um, but you know, Mark Pope had what 90 plus yards and a touchdown. D Wiggins had a touchdown and I think 60 plus yards. I mean, how much of it is coincidence and how much of it is this actually worked? But as soon as Miami opened up that receivers competition, things have changed. They put nine guys on the depth chart as co-starters, obviously, uh, before the Virginia game. And since then, the wide receivers have gone from being the clear weakness, I think, of this entire roster to being a strength, a legitimate strength. wide receiver play is sustainable? Like, do you think that, that they have really turned a corner and that this is not just like a two-week aberration? I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say for sure, yes. I think I, it's somewhere, I, I mean, it's pro- the right answer is probably it's somewhere in between the two answers, right? Like, Mike Harley's yeah, not going to go for 120 yards a week, probably, but... Uh, You think so? Uh, I would, yeah, I think Harley might have turned the corner, but the other guys like Pope and stuff. I, I, I think we, yeah, honestly, we need to see more. Yeah. Well, the uh, 
thing with Harley is so much of what Harley is good at is what Derek is good at. Like when they run those slants, that's like an automatic completion. And if you just get the right amount of separation on that, then, you know, with Harley, Harley's one, maybe the fastest guy on the team, like that's turning into a 20 plus yard gain. If, if you know, like, if the linebacker is in the wrong spot and the safety is following, you know, as long as you can kind of spread it out and you get Harley going over the middle, like that does a lot. I agree, but you know what else with Harley? Why I think he's turned. I mean, he. I think Harley now. He tastes it. Yeah. You know, he. he I mean, his personality it. has changed. Just talking he's, to him. He's always been very emotional and sensitive and stuff like that. But I think, and he's wanted it really badly. He's always been a team guy, and I think he wants it so badly now. So you can see those contested catches, you know? Yeah. Like he is, it's like, no, I'm getting this. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm he's focused. He's laser focused. And, uh, you know, I can't, Mark Pope, I, I, I just, I've got to see more from him. And the other guys, i got to see more. I do think that, uh, you know, at tight end, Will Mallory has definitely gotten better. I don't know how you feel about that, but... Yeah, I mean, I've always been pretty high on Mallory. I think it was always just, you know, he was buried behind Brevin, and, and I guess he was dealing with some injuries earlier in the year. Um, yeah, but I do think also, in a way, that he's kind of kind of pumped now, too. You know what I mean? He he has that same kind of mic thing going. Uh, yeah. Harley. Um, the other guys, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure. They really have to prove it to me. That's all. Yeah. Keep, they have to keep going. Yeah, I still get worried with the drops with those two guys, but Pope is... Uh, Wiggins. He... Wiggins. Uh, look, David, I, I thought last year, you know, like Wiggins at FSU and Wiggins, whatever, uh, it might have been uh, Louisville. Did he have a great game at Louisville? With yeah, that game, yeah, I Wiggins? think so. Yeah. I mean, I thought that he had turned the corner... And now I think Wiggins is definitely because I always thought he was very talented, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think he's, I mean, I think he has to keep keep doing it, keep doing it. But yeah. I have right now I'm feeling most confident about Harley. Yeah, yeah, I think the Pope is the other one is interesting to me right now just because he's made two of the toughest catches I think we've seen from a Miami players this year and. I mean, that's, that's, he's kind of the X factor in that regard. Like Harley can make those catches, but his strength is really just get in space and, you know, use his speed or just beat, burn guys deep. Um, Pope is the guy who's like, that's the dimension this offense has been looking for. And he's obviously added that um, to the, you know, that, that, that's what they were looking for. Like I said, Um, defensively, are you concerned? How concerned are you? It was obvi- it was a weird game. Obviously, they couldn't stop him for a while, but they did also give up a kick return touchdown. A little bit. I think you were. I was more than a little bit, honestly. Uh, yeah, and that was the special teams. But you know, but still, it's like you, I, I remember in our last podcast. I think it was the last one. You said you're not too worried about the defense. Um, but I, I'm a I'm a little bit. I mean, I, I think there there's a lot of talent. I think the line is. Very talented. I've seen some shoddy tackling. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, um, I think so. I don't, I don't think it's been like glaring necessarily. But there, there's been some. But um, look, I, like a little bit, they've 
each time. But, you know, they they come through, but you can't you can't wait that long. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even when it hasn't, you know, obviously you're referring to the fact they made, you know, they held them to six yards in the fourth quarter on Friday, but they've had that bend but don't break mentality kind of all year, like the Pittsburgh game where they just kept holding Pitt to field goals in the red zone. Um, you know, it works against some of the worst teams on your schedule, but I guess the good news for Miami is there's not a lot of juggernauts left, but, you know, will that work against UNC, a team that has a ch- yeah. potentially has a really good offense? Exactly. To it me, depends. it's it's just all about the defensive line, though, right? Like, they've had – I can't remember if it was the Virginia game or the Pitt game where they, like, had, like, three combined sacks and TFLs. And that just doesn't – that must have been the Virginia game because Pittsburgh, they had a lot of tackles for loss. Um, that – like, they're not just not – it's not going to work if that's what you do. Um, and we finally – I mean, we saw it in the fourth quarter with – they were really starting to get pressure on NC State uh, and that – flipped everything for them on defense. Um, obviously, part of that was they brought some blitz a little bit more with Couch, but, you know, they, they just need those two defensive ends to wreak havoc, and they need the guys in the middle to, to wreak havoc because all four, you know, they started Jared Harrison Hunt over John Ford on uh, yeah. Friday. And when you've got that alignment, when you got Roche, Harrison Hunt, Silvera, Phillips, that is four of, at their position, I mean, those are like four of the best pass rushing defensive linemen you'll find in the ACC. Obviously, Roche and Phillips, you know, they are what they are. I think we know Nesta uh, with his like burst and the way he can get into the backfield. I mean, we saw him have that one TFL on Friday where he basically tackled the offensive lineman and the running back. Um, and then Harrison Hunt's obviously been a little bit more of a situational guy, but that's his strength. Like they're Against NC State, a pass-happy team, they have an alignment that should work, and you know it, it didn't exactly work. I think as well as you would have liked to have seen. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think, I think the defense is, um, I I think that the more young guys uh, start making plays, also the better. Yeah, it's worth noting Corey Flagg has missed the last couple of games, and it looked like he was like pushing to potentially become a starter at linebacker. Right. Yeah. The the linebacker stuff. I um, you know, I we could talk about the the DBs a little bit. Um, you know, a cornerback. I I think there was a couple plays that Al Blades maybe you know got beat on, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of uncharacteristic yeah um but uh and i think also above a bolden there was a play i don't know if he took the wrong angle or whatever do you know which one i mean on the sideline yep but um yeah i think i think i think they're gonna be okay i think virginia i think it's the the point spread and i know you know, people don't care, but or some people don't care about the point spread. I think it, it was last I looked today, it was one and a half points that Virginia Tech is favored by. Which yeah, I was really a little surprised. Yeah, I'm not too surprised because it's very. I've been there several times, and I don't know. And I know it's the COVID time, so there's not as many people, but in the stands. But it is really tough to play there. There's something about that stadium. Um, I don't. I think the fans are kind of down on that program now and the coach, um, but there's a reason 
that one and a half point spread, I always say it. There's a reason for it. Yeah. They don't just pull it out of thin air, I don't think. So, yeah. Um, they, they're they coming off, as you kind of hinted at, a legendarily bad loss. Like, one of the worst losses I've ever seen against Liberty <laughs> last week. Where they, they're tied. Liberty's kicking a 58-yard field goal to win with, like, 10 seconds left. Virginia Tech blocks the kick, runs it back. But Fuente had called a timeout before. Um, yeah, they took it back for a touchdown to win the game, but Fuente had called a timeout, so Liberty gets to re-kick. But they decide, you know what, we just learned we have no chance at making a 58-yard field goal. So instead of re-kicking, they use the, the 10 seconds left to try to run a quick play. They pick up a couple of yards, and they make the 51, I think it was, to win. Like That's an all-time bad loss. I mean, can you imagine... Uh, can you imagine this other team is lighting up <laughs> Liberty, who was ranked number t- was number twenty five? Uh, they're going for a fifty eight yard field goal, right? So it's tied thirty five thirty five, and the and the Virginia Tech coach just doesn't just let him kick it, yeah. <laughs> and 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 call and it's like desperately trying to call a timeout. I mean, that is so dumb because. Because of what happened, <laughs> I, you I, I, you know, that the, can you imagine when that guy ran back, blocked, they block it, and the Virginia Tech guy runs it back for a touchdown, and they're thinking whatever, and then they they call it back because they said he called a timeout. I mean, that guy, I don't even know how he can go on the field again. The coach. People oh my god! So if Manny committed. Diaz did that, and, just imagine Miami fans. Oh my god! Are you <laughs> kidding? And Miami got some call back. So, you know, at the very end there, some yeah. weird stuff happened. So that and Manny called the uh, Manny a fourth and five after stuff was called back and penalties and Jared Williams was called for a what false start or something. Yeah. And they and then they Miami had a, instead of fourth and one they have fourth and five and and Manny I thought I was surprised but thought yeah that's that's not bad that's not bad there's six minutes left they have time you know and they and they kicked the field goal and uh or but there were six minutes left at the beginning actually but it worked out i think manny has made some really good decisions right i mean yeah i disagreed with the field goal at the time but obviously it wound up working out and that's you know that's why you kick that field goal is you if you think your defense, if you trust your defense, you can kick your field goal there. I just didn't personally trust the defense given what we had seen in the game. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I. The thing is, you kick the field goal, and then you're you still have to score a touchdown. Yeah. I I don't know. I he did he did that, but somehow it worked out for him. I know. All right, uh, we should wrap things up by talking about uh, the coronavirus because, as I said at the top, um, this is about as uh, tenuous as I think college football season has felt since the the year actually began, or since the season actually began, I should say. Um, Yep. This weekend, um, five teams from the top 25, and again, this is only Wednesday afternoon we're talking. It's possible that more has changed by the time uh, we actually get to the weekend. This weekend, five top 25 teams have had games postponed or canceled. Ohio State, Maryland, canceled. Four SEC games postponed, including games featuring Alabama, Texas A&M, 
Auburn. And what's the last one? Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Plus Ohio State, Maryland canceled. Um, of course, as we're talking also, Miami had 10 players missing for undisclosed reasons on Friday, including Brevin Jordan, John Campbell, a bunch of freshman wide receivers. Um, also, the case counts are higher than they have ever been in the United States. Uh, yeah, it's I, not feeling great I, right now. No, I, I, no, it's just when you look, Alabama, LSU, all these like major teams, Ohio State, you're Maryland. I mean, I, it's just, it's just amazing. And I just, I just looked at my phone and uh, it said that today the U.S. recorded more than 140,000 new coronavirus cases, yeah. the latest all-time high. So, you know, and then you. And then you see that Notre Dame game. We didn't even talk about that yet. Yeah. Uh, but where everybody spilled out onto the field. From and the obviously that game is highly affected by coronavirus because Trevor Lawrence, the best player in the country, isn't playing in it. True. And then and he was there. <laughs> you know, but then Notre Dame wins and the fans just, zillions of fans, it felt like, it seemed like, a lot, right? Yeah, it, it seemed like more started? than they should have been allowed to have in the stadium. <laughs> Didn't it seem like it, or was it just because they were on the field? Probably and just because they were on the field, but yeah, looking at it. it. Like, but I, all I kept thinking, I, yeah, I, I don't mean to, it's all COVID-related. I, And you wonder about Miami, yeah, I mean, how, how much longer, how can the season finish right? I mean, you know, Miami... So it's kind of insidious because it starts out the first week and there's six guys, right, yep. that are out. And, and last week there were 11, but we, we figured that 10 of them probably were COVID-related. Yep. And Manny Diaz has not made it a secret. I mean, he hasn't said names. He won't. And even when you ask, even when we asked about Brevin Jordan, if he's going to be around for the game today, we're asking, he won't say yes. He says, well, you know, he hopes, he hopes, sure. And and he says uh, he doesn't want to name specific players because then he has to go yeah. through everyone and, and, you know, privacy, whatever. But it's obviously there's a lot of COVID stuff going on. So will that grow, David? Will it go from 6 to 10 to whatever? I mean, it's only been a week since the new guys, right? So I, I'm telling you. And, and how about the coaches? You know, when yeah. I talked about last week, about the, uh, I asked him, I think, this week, five Dolphins. Well, yeah, the Dolphins coaches were all missing. They had the tight ends coach coaching up two on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and, and I asked Manny about that, about this week. I mean, do you have guys, are your assistants, like, how do you deal with that if assistants can't, you know, if there are a lot of assistants out, that's, that's trouble, yeah. you know? What happens? if, like, your offensive coordinator is gone. I don't know. Don't ask. He says they have it covered, but you just hope that they're not a, a lot of people out. Yeah. And, yeah, it's kind of a bad scene. Yeah. It's the best they do. Yeah. It seems like they're going to try to maybe let conferences push the championship games back a week. Like, that's kind of been the rumor or the, uh, you know, the Even kind of the more? logic. Just give them an extra week to potentially make up games. Um, well, ACC's already done that. Yes, so ACC saying, has done that, but I think I don't believe the SEC has. Um, but that's you know 
basically they're going to need more time to make up these games potentially. Um, or you know, or you're going to have teams that have played fewer. Yeah, SEC started a week later, I believe. Um, so yeah, that's part of it. Um, but then you know, there's going to be a domino thing where like, what happens if that happens? What do you do with the playoff? Um, obviously, the national championship is supposed to be at Hard Rock Stadium this year, so uh, it affects us here locally. And uh, I don't know. At some point, do they have to like expand the playoff if a bunch of teams can't play? I know Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was asked about that today. Um, that might be Miami's path to getting into the playoff because after Notre Dame beat Clemson on Saturday, it's the the path is is tough for Miami to get to the ACC championship. I think. Um, yeah, but what, what were you saying about the uh, playoff? Uh, Greg saying? Sankey was asked today about if he thinks they could potentially expand the playoff. Expanding oh, it, I gotcha, gotcha. Like if you know if a bunch of teams are playing uneven numbers of games and right. Maybe it's it's the most logical way to give everyone a fair shot in this weird season, or give more teams a fair shot. Um, but yeah, I, I have no idea what the next couple of weeks are going to look like or in the next couple of months. Like it wouldn't shock me yeah. if if we end up in a position where basically they can't finish this season at this point. I know, and then we're we're gonna you know, and the sad thing is we never hear about it until we never learn about it until an hour before the game. Yeah, we we just don't. We just don't know, you know, uh, and um, who knows? I feel bad for the. I really feel bad for the, uh, you know, for the Orange Bowl people. Yeah. The Orange Bowl and stuff. But we, we, the national championship game. I mean, it's not the same. It's just, it's not the same. It's just not, and it's just weird. And and now it's the, the pandemic is worse than ever now. Mm-hmm. Right, so I don't even know. Like, how they? What are you going to play a national championship game with no fans? What yeah, I mean, I, gonna, I, I think there'll be a percentage, right? Like, I mean, I know Ron DeSantis gave him the okay to fill it up, but I know at least the Super Bowl they said they're going to keep it at whatever percent capacity, fifteen percent. But obviously, that's a long way off. Um, although I guess there'll be a vaccine around the same time, so we'll see. Yeah, they're they're. I can tell you, there's no way they're filling it up. Ron no, no would, would double pack it if he could. All right, so. I think I think we can wrap things up there. Um, we're running a little long. Uh, thanks as always for listening, though. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at s miller degnan. Um, I don't know. Any final thoughts before we sign off here? Um, no, just uh, you know, just hoping um it's fun to see UM doing well. Hope they continue and hope they stay healthy. Yeah. You, Susan's written uh, a lot of good stuff this week Gilbert Fryer, about Gilbert Fryerson, who gave a uh, halftime speech. We didn't talk about that at all, but um, people are giving credit for that, uh, for this for the comeback against NC State. Uh, she wrote about Mike Harley and Derek King today. Uh, I should have something coming on Mark Pope later in the week. You can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, Yeah, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.